Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. More than 3 million of Illinois' residents have been fully vaccinated. But this week, the vaccine rollout hit a major snag after the CDC and FDA recommended a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. This follows reports of six women experiencing severe blood clots within two weeks of their vaccine. Officials say the pause is out of an abundance of caution, but the timing complicates the vaccine rollout, especially at a time when Illinois and many other states are seeing a resurgence in caseloads. Remember just a month ago when we saw our statewide positivity rate at a low 2.1%? Well, that's now double, closer to 4.5, and it's trending upward. So what is left to do here in Illinois? Is another wave inevitable, or are there more steps that we can take to avoid it? Joining me now to answer those questions and more is the state's top doc, Illinois Department of Public Health Director, Dr. Ngazi Izike. Dr. Izike, welcome to Reset. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you on, doctor. You know, as, as we're seeing cases rise, you know, like I just said, double the positivity rate of where we were a month ago. Does this change how the state approaches reopening efforts and vaccinations? Well, definitely it's, it's just saying that we, we are in a tight race between the, the variants and, and the virus and, and the vaccinations. And so we need to keep pushing on vaccinations. Uh, we are concerned about the recent trends, uh, but we're also very encouraged by the increasing vaccination rates. But we need everyone to help us turn these vaccines into actual vaccinations. So it's not just having them, and it's not just a few people getting vaccinated, but it's most people getting vaccinated. And that is how we will be able to move forward and continue reopening. Uh, Right now, the increase in cases, the increase in hospitalizations, the less available ICU beds, those are concerning trends. You know, those are part of the metrics to move on into that bridge phase. And so until we get that turned around, and I'm confident that we will, uh, we kind of will be in a holding pattern for now. What do we know about what's driving that tick upward? Well, as we look at the data and look at every which way, we, we do see that the numbers of cases are growing in, in all of the age groups, but primarily in younger individuals. Uh, the highest case rate is in the 20, 20-something-year-olds. Uh, we see growing, growing rates in even under 20. The next highest is the 30-year-olds. So see that the younger individuals have a lot of the infection, but they're not necessarily the people that will get very sick. And so that was a large reason for the impetus behind uh, prioritizing our seniors. We've done a great job. I think 76% of our seniors have had at least one dose, and I'm confident that they will go back for their second dose where that's indicated. But we need to now look at our, our 50 and over, make sure that those individuals are getting vaccinated as well, because after uh, the oldest people, then the next oldest people will then be those at highest risk. When it comes to um, mitigation efforts, there's this push and pull, right? Because there's a side that wants to do every cautious thing, and then there's the economic side that's pushing to reopen. Is that balance becoming harder now that we're a year into the pandemic and, and folks are just eager to get back outside? 
1,000 million, gajillion percent, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Isn't it? That is the real struggle. And, um, but we're also in a new landscape. It's not the same picture that we were in with the first wave when we were still trying to figure out what this virus was really about and how exactly it's transmitted. And um, it's not the same as even the second wave when there was not even the idea that we would have vaccines uh, by December. So this, you know, resurgence or these cases that we're seeing now are happening in a brand new era where we have administered almost 8 million vaccines to 5 million people in our state. And we know from the hospitalization data that we're looking at that this vaccine works. So we know we have something to help uh, counter any trends and um, increases in hospitalization. And so that's why we're pushing on that. We know about monoclonal antibodies and how effective those can be at decreasing hospitalization. So we need to work on all these different levers to kind of win that race uh, against, against the virus. I want to switch gears, doctor, and talk about vaccinations a, a little bit more, uh, specifically the latest on, on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, right? What, what is your reaction, first of all, to the fact that it was paused? Right. Well, I think one of the important takeaways from, from this pause is that, you know, the safety and the monitoring measures that are in place, first of all, people need to know that there are monitoring measures that are in place to look out for any potential problems. And I say potential because we are not uh, clear that this is a you know, cause and effect relationship, that this vaccine is what caused these side effects. But the fact that we have this vaccine uh, adverse events reporting system or VAERS, um, it's working. And it is sensitive enough to pick, pick up even six cases of a rare side effect. Again, six cases have been identified out of almost 7 million doses that were administered in the U.S. So I think that is reassuring. That should be reassuring to the people that eyes are still on this vaccine to make sure that it is safe and that even uh, rare potential connections, that those are being looked out for as well. Yeah, blood clot reports, you know, they're extremely rare. Yes, you, you mentioned six cases, but are there concerns about how this may impact vaccine hesitancy and the public's trust in the vaccinations? Sure. No, it, it surely will have people uh, think again. Uh, I think many people uh, I have already encountered uh, have said, oh, well, if it's six cases out of seven million, like that's you know, less than one in a million, you know, that's not a reason to stop it because it will benefit so many other people. So, you know, there are, you know, people will obviously look and think about it. Um, we will obviously wait for the CDC's guidance. Um, I think it's a good thing, even if it's that rare, even if we think that there may be this association, the fact that we are now aware of this potential association that both the public as well as treating physicians and other providers will be able to be aware so that we can look out for that, so that if someone presents with some of the symptoms of a, of a clot, we would also ask, oh, by the way, is there any uh, recent administration, you know, of this certain, you know, J&J &J vaccine, that if there is an identification of this clot, people are now 
you know, have been read up and have been schooled up and know what the appropriate treatment would be. So effective early treatment will now be uh, more likely because of the awareness of this, of this matter. How has the pause in the J&J vaccine rollout impacted our communities, particularly underserved communities? I'm thinking of folks who might not be able to make double appointments hours away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, J&J was such a, a favorite for some of the rural missions and hard-to-reach places in some of uh, some under, other underserved communities where they preferred the idea of a single injection rather than having to arrange for two for homebound populations. For so many different uh, populations, this was the ideal uh, choice. And so um, we're hoping that maybe this pause might be temporary uh, and then we can get back to that. Maybe there'll be some additional precautions or just advisories. Um, but in the meantime, we are vaccinating away with the Moderna and Pfizer options. Uh, again, we've given, you know, tens of uh, millions, you know, of hundreds of millions of doses around the country, and we haven't seen this effect. So we do need to separate any concerns or fears and know that, you know, we should continue you know, full throttle with Moderna and Pfizer while we get to see more information about the J&J vaccine. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to administer this at a later time. Doctor, I want to stay on vaccines for, for another moment because we, we keep hearing at some point vaccine supply is going to outweigh demand. But that's already happening in some parts of the state. So how concerned are you that vaccine demand will just plateau in areas of southern Illinois? way below the threshold for herd immunity. Yeah, throughout the state, we probably have just about 30 percent uh, in the 30s for almost most parts of the state. We're a big state. There are some differing trends. We know that some of the demand might have plateaued in some of the southern regions. And so this is where we switch to our ground game. You know, at the mass vac sites, lots of these hundreds of appointments are going unfilled. So that means that you know, all the low-lying fruit has, has been picked. And so now we're going to have to do the ground game where we're spending more time on educating, trying to understand what people's hesitancy, uh, what, is, what it's based in, see if there's additional information sharing that can help move the needle on that. Again, it's not one-size-fits-all. There are some who maybe we'll never get a vaccine, and then there's some that still need some more additional information, still are waiting to see other people get the vaccine, maybe people in their own circle. So we're working with messages that will work and the messengers who are the right ones to deliver that correct message to help get more demand in even those areas that have started to lag. Dr. Zika, I want to ask you about variants now, because this, this is also a huge source of concern. Um, the longer folks aren't vaccinated, the more opportunity for the virus to spread and mutate, right? So first, how widespread are the variants so far in Illinois? And two, does it change how you and your colleagues are thinking about the pandemic long term? Well, every week we're seeing an increased number of variants being sequenced. You know, we're being very aggressive in doing more and more genomic sequencing each week. You know, we knew that the B117 was going to be a significant player and that it was more transmissible and it would quickly become a predominant uh, variant uh, in, in our state, in the country. 
And so that has been playing up. That's the predominant variant we're seeing. But we're also seeing the P1. We're also seeing the B1427 and 1429. Uh, and 1351. So we're, we're following all of that and understanding the urgency of being able to get the appropriate messages to everyone so that they will uh, make the decision that we think is absolutely the best decision to move forward with vaccination and try to interrupt uh, transmission of this virus, which will then stop its ability to be mutating into these variants. I got to ask you what would possibly seems like an impossible question to answer right now. But in your mind, do you think we'll ever get back to normal? There are no impossible uh, questions. It's been an impossible year, and we've been dealing with the impossible, uh, you know, for over a year now. I I want us to not get back to normal, but get better. I want us to build back better. Um, I want us to be able to learn from all that we've been through, all that we've suffered through together over this last year, and be even in a better position to deal with whatever next impossibility comes our way. So I I want to remain optimistic. These vaccines are are really miraculous. Um, When we look at how effective they have been in decreasing hospitalizations in our long-term care residents who, of course, were the first group to get vaccinated, we see that they, they are doing what they were pegged to do. Uh, and so we know that between our scientists and our public health people and the individuals of our communities, we can tackle whatever comes our way and build back better. Well, the sun is out, doctor, and Illinoisans are planning their summer vacations. But considering that vaccinated people can possibly still carry the virus and infect others. What precautions do you think folks should take? Well, everyone should continue to take uh, advantage of these, you know, practice these common public health measures in public, you know, wearing, you know, wearing your mask. But there is a growing body of evidence that suggests that fully vaccinated people are less likely to have this asymptomatic infection, less likely to transmit the virus to others. I know investigation is still ongoing, but um, there, there is the feeling that that's where we're going to be headed, which is great news uh, and which will mean that even more things can be done for, by people who are vaccinated. And I understand that people have put off travel and put off vacations, you know, and if they have been vaccinated and are doing the common sense stuff, like using their masks in, in public and still using uh, hand sanitizer, you know, they can start to uh, visit people. You know, hopefully they're encouraging their their guests or other people that they're visiting to be vaccinated too. And so we know that when you're in a a home full of vaccinated people, you know, you can take off your mask and, and abandon the six feet of distancing and really just enjoy people and family the way we used to. So we're inching towards uh towards things the way we used to be, and again, hoping to build back better. We've been talking about this um, increase in cases, but but there's incremental upticks, right? And then there's a wave. COVID test results are reportedly taking longer to come back, and there are cases surging in nearby states like Michigan right now. So is this evidence at all of another surge for Illinois? We definitely are seeing uh, a resurgence here. We, we definitely, the numbers are going up. 
Um, hospitalizations are going up. It's nowhere near uh, the magnitude that we saw in either, you know, the, the first wave in spring of 2020 or what we saw, you know, in the fall of last year. But we are being, you know, very cautious and we're looking carefully and we're cutting up the data, looking at it by region, by county, identify where the specific hotspots are. And so at, from the state level, we are redeploying and reassigning, you know, National Guard teams and redeploying uh, resources so that we can, you know, do more testing in that area, do more vaccination in that area to try to dampen these really um, high upticks that we see in specific regions. So we're going to continue to do that. But, you know, public health is everybody's business. And so, you know, the governor, you know, show tremendous leadership and IDPH, we're trying to support and lead the state, but local municipalities have a role to play and they need to identify specific roles that they can play. If they see a, maybe a bad actor or a place that's causing a lot of infections, you know, they may have a role that they can play. And of course, every individual has their role. They can mask up and stay masked, even though they're, you know, tired of hiding their pretty faces and, and smiles behind it. You know, we all can do something to help us get onto the other side of this. Well, you said if we're vaccinated, we can travel safely. Are you taking vacation anytime soon, doctor? I uh, consider every <laughs> every day a vacation. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I can vacation in, um, in the tennis match that I get to look forward to on the weekends. You know, I can... Uh, I, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I don't know that I can uh, take off too much time right now, but I am very much looking forward to it. I uh, did postpone a significant milestone anniversary trip, but I, I do hope to have that this year. So, you know, we're all going to get to the point where we'll be able to celebrate and have vacation. And yeah. uh, I, I will wait till most of the other people have taken theirs first. Amen. I am looking forward to that moment. And good luck in your tennis match this weekend. Um, that's thank Illinois you. Department of Public Health Director Dr. Ngazi Izike. Dr. Izike, thank you so much for making the time for us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.